0: For today's dars I would like for us to talk a little bit about the trends of this world and how they are making us and pulling us to love this world more than ever in the past. As you know that as we get older those things that we desired when we were young we slowly get cold to those things. We no longer love those things we slowly and eventually get tired of them and slowly we get further and further inclined towards the next life get ready for it and eventually you start to realize and you have that spiritual maturity which is attained at the age of 40 for some and some takes longer in fact the love of this world has in fact shaped us in many different ways sometimes we don't even realize it If you ask our elders when they were in Rabwa, or when they were in Bangladesh, or India, or Qadian, They will tell you when they were young, they had barely, they had rocks they would play with Maybe they had, you know, a, a ball that they could throw around Very simple life And now when they look at their next generation, or they look at their next generation They will always notice that it's getting more complex, kids are more demanding There's so much more that they have expectation Even when I was growing up, we didn't have cell phones We didn't have Walkmans It was much later when we started to see these inventions Even a computer I remember the first time we had a computer in our home And the sound it made when it was a dial-up All of these things are slow things that we realized The first time we saw a CD And how we would imagine how could things be saved on a CD Where is it saved, right? You could put books on there, X, Y and Z So Over time For the last 30 years, we have seen this entire world transform very rapidly There were of course inventions in the 1950s that were very ahead of their time like the microwave or the airplane and various other things But in our last 30 years, we have seen the individual me and you we have been blessed in a way and cursed in another We have been given so much advancement at at our fingertips That is sometimes very difficult to even fathom and for us to decide where to put the limitations. When we were young, the limitation was that if you wanted to go do something, you had to go outside. You had to play some kind of sport. There was no other way. What else could you do? You could not sit at home, you would have to read a book. As kids got older, video games, of course, I remember the first PlayStation, Nintendo 64, and so many other. Uh, various consoles were made and slowly they were ingrained into our society and that's okay we just didn't know where to draw the line for some of us we were able to do it because our parents were a bit strict I remember from my parents they had a strict TV time or they had sometimes for months there's no TV at all because they weren't sure whether there should be TV or not TV and they were just you know, guessing as they went along and the same thing is happening today And we are very blessed that we have a khalifa who actually tells us how much TV time or phone time our kids should have and he's been guiding us. But there, there is times in the past where we didn't know, or we're not sure, or the news wasn't getting to us immediately from the khalifa because of cassettes and so many other old technologies. But nonetheless, we have seen that as we have advanced, our love for the world has advanced. So much so that it's very hard to disconnect from the world. Our former Sadr Sahib, Khudam al-Ahmadiya, used to say and In fact, I thought it was very funny He asked some kids What would you rather have? A broken phone or a broken arm? He asked our Atfal Whether you would rather have a broken phone or a broken arm And some of them would reply Which arm? Meaning there's no way they're gonna break their phone They'll, they'll consider which arm to break Now the reason this is important is for us to understand that we are now, it is part of our life, and for all of you as well, many of you go to sleep with your phones, right right next to your bedside, we will wake up, right next to our bedside, some of us will even take it into the bathroom with us, they will even call, I've mentioned this to you before, I've had a conversation with somebody in the bathroom, not once, many times. And they will only reiterate that afterwards. Sorry, I'm on the, in the bathroom, let me call you later. I said, I wish you had not picked up the phone. But nonetheless, literally this phone is with us at any time, any given moment. And as adults, we have not been able to shake off the love for our phones. Let's be honest. We cannot blame our children. We ourselves as adults cannot live a single moment without our phones. When we're eating, you get a phone, you're looking at your text, you're looking at your messages. Even when you're socializing, sometimes you're sitting at a table, each one has their phone out. And now, now that we have AirPods, sometimes there'll be a group of guys sitting there and they're talking to each other, but they're also listening to music at the same time. And they're walking and they're talking and they constantly have AirPods in their ear. In their homes as well. As much as this technology is good for us, we have to be able to establish some sort of limitation and a detachment from these things. Otherwise we'll get addicted. And we will love these things to our death. We will never be able to live without them. I think many of us will have to be buried with our phones. Because we want it to be next to us at all times. Our dear Azhar Hanif Sahib mentioned a story in his concluding speech at USA Jalsa. I want to reiterate that story to show you what it means to love the world as compared to loving God Almighty. He gives example of a man whose son, who, the man himself was very rich, a very wealthy man. And his son, because of this wealth, had so many friends. And the father used to tell him, "You, these are not real friends. These are simply people who are using you for your money using you to be around you they all that's all they want and This just to connect it to what we're talking about Apple is not your friend they just want your money okay. Tesla is not your friend, they just want your money okay. but they show advertisements, they make these impressions as if you are now a loyal customer, the new iPhone comes out I'm, I'm an you know, an Apple guy, I gotta get the new phone they make you as if you are a follower of theirs you have become their friend But truthfully, that's all they want. They just want you to give their their money. Anyway, so this young boy or whatever was wasting all of his money on his friends and he said, No, I have so many friends. And the father said, I have no friends except one man, one friend. That is the only friend I have. And so his son would constantly challenge him. He said, No, my friends are loyal, they're nice, they're good people. So the father said, Okay, I'll give you one simple test. Tomorrow go to your friends, each one of them tell them that your father has thrown you out of the house. You no longer have any more money. Help me. Ask them to help you. So he went, knocked on the first house. And the friend said, oh, you have no money, I'm very sorry. I just gave all the money I had to somebody else. He goes to the next house. He says, oh, sorry, I just don't have any more money. Third house doesn't even open the door fourth house and so on and so forth and each and every one of his friends disowned him the moment he did not have what they wanted so he returned to his father and he said father you were right but prove to me your one friend is good better than mine your one friend is probably the same so his father says okay it was late at night around midnight and so his father takes his son and goes very far to his friend's house Travels very far up into the jungle. Knocks on the door. And the man inside says, who is it? He says, it's me, your friend. He says, okay, I'm coming. And then they begin to wait. They're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting. They wait so long. 20, 30, 40 minutes or so. And the son says, see, your friend is just like mine. He's not going to open the door. My friends didn't open the door either. He says, no, just wait. Just wait, be patient. You'll see what my friend is really about. Eventually, his friend comes and opens the door. In one hand, he has a sword. In another, he has a pouch while he is holding his, wife's, or his wife is holding his arm. And he says, "My dear friend, you came very late at night. So I thought you were in trouble. And so I went, and I brought my sword. And I want to apologize because I took so long. In fact, when I brought my sword, I realized, wait, it's really late at night. Even though you're a rich man, maybe you need money. So I went outside where I had dug my life-saving, pulled it out of this pouch, and I was bringing it. And then all of a sudden, it came to my mind again, that what if your wife is sick? What if she needs help? So I went, I woke up my wife, and I said, come with me. So now I am here, my dear friend, tell me, what do you need? His father said, see, this is a friend. When you need him, when you knock on his door, he's ready with anything and everything you need. This is the false impression the world has been giving us. And I assure you, the one friend that we need is God. There's no other way to put it. I don't want to sugarcoat it anyway. You need God. We all need God. How do we establish a relationship with God? That's what we have to talk about today. And the only way to do that is if you detach from the earth. Detach from the world. Separate from the love of this world. Even if you do it casually and you do it in piecemeal and you do it somewhat and you increase it. You should be able to walk away from the world if you needed to. There are only a few of us who do ittakaf, And I know in the lo- long time ago, back in the day, even takaf was difficult for our members. Because they didn't want to turn their phones off. But ittakaf is literally the purpose of ittakaf is to separate from your devices, separate from the world. So the same applies here. How do we separate from the world? And why? I told you because the only way to connect with God is if you separate from the world. If you are addicted to having Starbucks every single morning, no matter what. You have now been trapped into that same vicious cycle where the world is pulling you out. If you are adamant that you have to buy a Tesla, then you are also trapped in the same cycle. If you are so desirous that you need, you cannot live without the new iPhone or the new Samsung Note 10, or whatever the new phone is out. If you cannot live without it, then you have connected with the wrong thing. Where now you are in a vicious cycle. You have these chains of the world that you cannot get off. And once you separate from them, you realize how much at peace you are. And I'm saying this both to the kids and to the adults. For some of our adults, it's also very hard to get off their phones. Some of them are on WhatsApp all day long. So this is something we have to realize. We have to be able to disconnect. Now, to do that, I felt the best way is for us to reiterate some of the stories of our promised Messiah, Hazir Mirza Ghulam Ahmed. Because let's be, let's be real, in this day and age, he is our example and we have to look at how he experienced all of these temptations around us and how did he treat them. Remember, they had a train service, they had a mail service, they had a telegram, they had all this other technology that was out even at their time, which was way ahead of their time. He could have been engrossed in using a telegram all day long, or a phonograph, or being on a train and just traveling his, you know, his heart's desire. And Yet he didn't do that. He spent his time in devotion, in spreading the message of Islam, in helping other people, just caring for people. And above all that, working on his own spirituality, connecting to God and detaching from the world. To give you some of these stories, I wanted to reiterate to you. I, I'm taking them from the book Ahmad the Guided One, and if you ever get a chance, it's an amazing chapter. It's only a few pages long. It's chapter 26. Now, many of us are very excited or intrigued with the clothing that we wear, especially when we're young. You know, do you have Jordans? Do you have you know a certain kind of shirt or pants? Or are they Tommy Hill figure? Whatever, are they name brand or not? This is something that a lot of us, especially when we're young, we are connected to. I know as we get older, our wives just bring us something to wear, right? That's okay. But when we're young, we truly look for something to wear. We're desirous of what we're going to wear. I remember as a kid, it was a trend in our school that everybody had to wear Nike. If you didn't wear Nike, you weren't cool, or you weren't the standard. And so as kids, we all desired we should all have Nike. So... It is definitely there, it is definitely ingrained in our kids And when we turn on the TV What the kids, what they're watching Each movie or show or whatever it may be They are influencing your kids what to wear What are the new trends Just look at for a moment How every month It's a cycle of something new coming out. They want you to grab onto it The moment you're sick and tired of it They want you to grab onto the next thing. Like I told you, cell phones. This month is Samsung Note 10. Next month, it'll be the Pixel. The next month, it'll be the iPhone. The next month, it'll be the OnePlus phone. Four months, they'll do the whole cycle again. Then Sony, and then X, Y, and Z. So every single month, there's a new phone. But that's just your phone. Look at the movies that come out. Today, there'll be a movie that comes out, some sort of superhero movie. Exactly one month from now, there'll be another one, then there'll be another one Same with TV shows if they had Game of Thrones, which is a terrible show by the way But if they had Game of Thrones guess what shortly after that They're gonna have another show they want everybody to hook onto. the moment is over Every single thing they have so that you can reconnect to the next thing even music It's the same exact way you have a song It's on the radio you're eventually gonna get sick of it by the time you get sick of it There's another new song that's out So it's a a cycle that never ends. And just imagine from an industry point of view, today there'll be a team sitting there making the newest iPhone, right? They'll have engineers, resource and development, they'll have all millions of dollars to make the best phone they can make today. The moment they make it, and they give it to you, they have to sit back down and make the next best thing, just to keep you intrigued. They are also in a vicious cycle that will never end. So just keep that in mind. That this cycle is there to keep you engaged. Keep you away from God. Keep you away from religion. Keep you away from those things that actually help inspire you. Now as I mentioned about clothing. It mentions that he, that Hazrat Masih Maud, the Promised Messiah, he wasn't really interested in clothing. He he disregarded it. His mind was always on other things. And it says that he frequently used to put the buttons of his waistcoat in the wrong buttonholes. And slowly the pressure of wearing it, it would break the button. And then he would be like, oh man, these buttons waste too much of my time. Imagine the simplicity there. How many of us would walk to work or somewhere with the wrong button in the wrong buttonhole? We all take our time, we look in front of the mirror, right? Make sure we're ready, fix our hair, everything. And yet the Prophet said, this is wasting my time. I don't have time to even fix these. Once he was given a pair of Western-style shoes. And the reason I mention Western-style is because he used to wear khusseh. Khusseh are right and left, you can switch between the two, it doesn't make a difference. You can wear the right with the left, or the left with the right. But sometime, one day, somebody gave him Western-style shoes. Western style means the right foot is for the right foot and the left is for the left. And they in fact, they in fact literally wrote on it, this is left foot and this is the right foot. And many times there, there was occasions where you would see him wearing the wrong side. And then he said, I'm sick and tired. This is wasting too much of my time. He would go back to wearing crusade. It was his disconnect from these things that shows us how we should be simple also there's a lot of instances and I know you think oh we should just not care, walk around, no there's a a level of how much you care, remember we were talking about limitations have a limit to what you go, how, how much you get involved how much you're pulled into this pull, into this society you can have it to a certain extent but you should be disconnected as well one day in fact as you know, he used to wear a white turban. Underneath the white turban, as our beloved Hazur also wears, there's a hat. It's a hat and then you wrap a turban around it. So one day he asked uh, one of the daughters of his friends to go into his room and, and bring the cap for his turban. And so she went into the room looking for it. and She saw this really old, war-torn, just sitting there, this cap in the corner. She said, this can't be his. So she looks around the whole room, can't find another cap. She comes back, she says, not there. He sends her back again, go back and look, there's, my, my cap is there. She goes back in, looks around, doesn't see it. Third time again. Then eventually he asks somebody who knows about it. he says, go please bring my cap, and instantly he brings it. And she was completely shocked. How could a prophet of God, the promised Messiah, the chief of Qadian, not even just an ordinary man, he's the chief of a, a village. His cap was so worn torn that she thought it must have been somebody, some peasant's hat. Could not have been this type of person's hat. It shows how simple his life was. Something that we should keep in mind as well. Another simplicity that we have sometimes, we, we make sure we have, you know, a sleep number 362 or whatever, right? Those advertisements come all the time for a very special mattress. Now, for some people, it may be difficult to sleep on an ordinary mattress. But look at the example of the Promised Messiah It did not matter where you gave him a place to sleep, he would sleep. He says, sometimes he did not return to his room to sleep. One follower recalls that he stayed up all night on the flat roof of the mosque with the Promised Messiah After some time, the Promised Messiah wrapped a sheet around his body, have laid down on the bare tiled roof. And then he says, People think they cannot sleep without a bed by the kindness of God. I enjoy good sleep even on the floor. And then he said, Saintliness and a love of luxury cannot go together being close to God and a love for luxury they both cannot go together they will always bring you one or the other and in fact his follower even said that whenever he would go to sleep he said he would only be asleep for about 5 minutes and then all of a sudden he would wake up, his eyes would open and he would say Alhamdulillah and then he would go back to sleep every 5 minutes Imagine how close he was. He's bare on the on the ground And I was mentioning this recently to somebody There are millions and billions of dollars that go every year in sleep aids Because Americans the biggest challenge they have is to go to sleep They spend billions of dollars on medication to go to sleep melatonin and whatnot. They cannot sleep with all the luxury we have, all the beds, all the cars, all the electricity, all the comfort you can possibly imagine, the air condition, the heaters and yet millions of Americans have a hard time sleeping but look at this man of God on the bare floor with just a cloth, that's it just a blanket, not even a blanket and he would fall asleep this shows us that when you connect with God Almighty other things do become easier You may not have a bed to sleep on and yet you will sleep a good night's sleep This is all to show you that at the end of the day we have to detach and have a simple life Look into the simplicity of your life as well How much are we pursuing luxury? How much are we ingrained in these cycles of society? And then the other aspect of it Not only should you have a simple life the other example that he shared uh, shared with us is that you should be so humble that you're able to help serve other people without any regard for yourself. You should not think that you are some big shot because the society here makes you think the same. I'll give you an example. In the past, if you needed sugar and you had no sugar, where would you go? Your neighbor's house, right? If you had a flat tire, you would knock on your neighbor's door maybe he has a pump of some sort that can help you. Society has now made us That you are in your house Don't talk to anybody else Call a company, hire somebody Call a third person We no longer have a connection To care for our neighbors And they no longer care for us We are now all about ourselves Think about it Everything we do, we do for ourselves This is why in, in the jamaat, in the mosque We encourage each other to do vakaari to instill that spirit of helping others. To being able to get down and dirty. To work for the sake of somebody else. You don't even know who they are. I'll give you some examples as well. One day Abdul Kareem. He said that during the afternoon time, because the heat was so strong, usually people would take naps during the afternoon, after Zohar prayer usually. So he says one day he was there in the promised Islam's room and he saw his charpai there, his makeshift bed, and he said, I'm just going to lay down, I'm not going to fall asleep, just, just close my eyes for a few minutes. And lo and behold, he falls asleep. Fast asleep. He has no idea so much so that all of a sudden he wakes up and he sees the promised Messiah sitting right next to him on the floor he was obviously embarrassed and after asking the promised Messiah said hey don't apologize Don't, don't worry he said I was here standing guard for you because the kids kept coming and making noise and I saw that you were very very tired I wanted you to rest how many of us would do that? We'd probably say, you're on my bed, get up, get off my bed. But yet, no. He instead wanted him to sleep and rest. He came and he sat down right next to him on the floor. One day, another follower, the pro- uh, companion, came to the Prophet Islam, And he says, I want to spend time with you to help you. I want to be here to assist you. I'm going to devote this next day or two or whatever Just to serve you Whatever you need I'll be there for you but He says Right after that he realized The opposite was happening The Prophet Islam, was constantly serving him He said It was time for wuzu evolution. The Prophet Islam, would go Bring water for them He said come on When they wanted to drink some milk He would go quickly Grab two glasses of milk And he would bring it So then this companion, he said, Why are you doing this? I'm here to help you. I'm here to free you from these things so that you could do your work. The promised Messiah says, It's not that important. I know where everything is anyways. It would take you longer. See his love, see his kindness, see his detachment for these things. He did not think that he was some big shot. He did not think that he was above these things. Instead, he made an effort show love to somebody for no reason another example there was a small party you know not party but like a gathering and they were all eating food and among them the conversation started about ajar. anybody know what ajar is? pickles, right? so they started talking about pickles and just casually somebody mentioned that you know I like this particular kind of pickle, I'm very fond of it and all of a sudden promised Messiah islam, gets up and he leaves And he comes back with that exact same pickle, the char, And he says, here you go, I brought it for you. When the guest asked, why didn't you ask one of us to bring it, or one of your servants to bring it? He was told, that he said, I do not think that I am superior to anyone. And the servant and others said that he never acted the master who only gave orders when beds, chairs or trunks had to be moved and the promised Messiah happened to be passing by often the servants would find the promised Messiah was on the other side of the trunk picking it up often he was on the other side of the, the chair or something else picking it up this is a lesson for all of us nobody should feel that if things are happening in the mosque we can just leave we should all have an active role another instance a guest arrived very 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 late like very late midnight and when once he arrived everybody was already asleep and so the porter you know the person who helps with the bags and various things he answered the knock and the Prophet Islam asked him to sit down gave him a glass of milk and he said, be, "Be as comfortable as you need to be. I'll be right back." And he went with the porter. And after a few moments, he heard loud banging. So this guest, he was really intrigued. What's going on? What is this noise? So he followed the noise, and he gets there and he sees, "He sees the promised Messiah, Islam, and the porter hurriedly banging together the framework for a charpai. All the beds were occupied." And he did not want to disturb any of the people who normally ro- looked after these arrangements. So the promised Messiah Islam told the porter they would make the beds themselves while the guests waited. This is the kind of spirit of service and love that he had. And this love is not even restricted to just this. Even to kids, even to children. Every once in a while I'll also find my daughter, she'll hand me a small toy and say hang on to this. And the moment she does that, I remember this story of the Promised Messiah. A. One day he complained to Hamid, Hamid Ali, that his ribs, they have been in pain, like sore, for about three days now. And he had been wearing a coat, and so he said, there's something that's pinching me from the coat. Check, what is it? What's going on? What is inside? So when they examine the coat, they check it, they find a large piece of a brick They find a brick inside of his his coat And when they show it to him They said, this was inside your coat He said oh yes Now I remember Mahmood had given it to me And he asked me to carry it for him Mahmood being his son of course The second Khalifa He said That he might want to play with it one day So I should hold on to it And just imagine the love of his son, but look at the father. Some of us, our kid would hand us a toy, we just throw it on the side. I don't have time for this. And yet his father, he put it in his coat and then forgot about it. He was so consumed with what he was doing. And so this is why it's very important for us to remember that it's important for us to disconnect from the world, detach from it as much as possible, and to reconnect with not only the mosque, our spirituality, the way we care for other people, we should have no regard for ourselves. We should not assume that we are superior in any way or form. Through our actions or our words. May Allah help us to do that. Allahumma <laughs> salli ala Muhammadin wa ala ali Muhammadin wa barik sallim inna ka hamidun mudeed.